0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Arcs Firebug Fridays, the weekly fire Q&A where you guys get to submit your questions and I try my best to answer them. Uh, first Friday of spring, can you believe it? I don't know where the year has gone, um, but we're already in September, which is just crazy. Uh, footy finals are well and truly underway, Hawks and as I'm recording this tonight, the Hawks and the Tigers are doing battle, it's um, pretty close at halftime, but We'll see um, who makes it to the big show. I guess I'm going for, mm, I'm going for Tigers because I think Hawks have had their success over the last couple of years. Anyway, into the show. Uh, firstly, before we start the show, I would like to thank our sponsors. Uh, really making it um, easier to you know produce. More content for you guys uh, on a weekly basis. Now, I've got some uh, support behind me, so a huge shout out to these guys. Uh, First one is Relentless Hosting, uh, provides the hosting for Aussie Firebug. They provide a fast and reliable service, but they are definitely um, the best in the business for their customer support. Uh, No international call centers or waiting days for a simple query or any rubbish like that, yet lightning fast responses from an Australian-based team to help you and your service. So if if you're thinking about starting a blog or a website or anything to do that needs hosting, definitely check these guys out. It's Relentless Hosting. I've got a link. It's aussiefirebug.com forward slash hosting. Make sure you check them out. I've been through a few hosting companies in my time and these guys are definitely the best. Check them out. And our second sponsor is Self Wealth, who I believe are the best broker in Australia. If you want to start buying ETFs, listed investment companies, individual shares, um, you need to be set up with a broker and I believe SelfWealth is the best broker and I, the reason I believe it is because they have the lowest uh, brokerage fee out of anyone that I, um, I've i done my research on in the ASX. They have a um, flat fee of $9.50 no matter what the size of the trade is. They're chess sponsored so there's no issues transferring your holdings across or anything like that. Uh, save yourself the unnecessary brokerage fee and sign up today with SelfWealth. If you use my link, you'll get five free trades and the link is aussiefirebug.com forward slash SelfWealth. Start building the snowball, guys. Start buying assets that generate the passive income um, that you're going to be living on when you reach financial independence. I think the earlier you start, just dip your toes in, um, sign up, make a trade, get a feel for it. Um, and away you go. All right, let's get into the show. All righty then. Uh, disclaimer alert, just to begin with, nothing written in the article or said on this podcast is financial advice. Um, the Q&A that I go through today is for general information only and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should always do your own research when making any financial decisions. Now, on to the first question. Our first question comes from LB. I'm married with two children, age one and two years old. What's the best way to invest money for them to access when they're older? My friends suggested opening a bank account and depositing any cash the kids receive as birthday presents, uh, etc. What do you think? This I've often thought about this as well, what is the best way to invest for children because I've got nieces and nephews and I've always thought it'd be pretty cool to, you know, instead of just like giving them um, some present or something like that, I could maybe give them a present and also put in, you know, $50 into an investment account. And, you know, over time um, they could, you know, get it when they're 18 or when they're 21 and it would show them the power of investing at a young age um, and compounding. So, I've often thought about this, even though I don't have children, but um, it's a good question. Uh, probably the two things, first of all, I love that you're even thinking about this it's, when your kids are so young. That's awesome. Um, the two decisions that you've got to make uh, with this question is really, what are you going to invest in and whose name is it going to be held in? Where Who is going to actually own the assets? So, With the first question, what are you going to invest in? I think majority of people lean towards a um, high interest savings account or a HiSA, as it's the acronym for it, which is no different. It's just a bank account, right, that pays out interest um, every month or whatever it is. Uh, That's usually how people save money, um, especially for kids. But it's probably well. I'm not going to say it's a bad way to do it, but the interest rate is so low on these high interest savings account like you're barely keeping up with inflation or you might be just a tiny bit over inflation so at the end of the when the child grows up and you're ready to give them the money or however you want to do it when they're 18 or 21 or whatever it's it might have just got a return over inflation so in terms of purchasing power it might not have grown a whole whole bunch because it's not thrown out um, what's well throwing out sort of like a dividend with the interest repayment, but it's not growing a whole bunch, right? Um, it's not a bad way, but I wouldn't be doing it. If it's, if it's my, my kids and if I ever get to that point, um, I'll be doing a hundred percent, uh, through the share market. And I probably have two products that I'll be using, um, depending on where I'm at in that stage of my life. So, there's other asset and there's other investments that you can invest in. But for me personally, there's uh, advantages investing in the share market, which I'm going to go into now, um, especially for kids and like a set and forget option, right? So the first product that I would look at and what I'd probably do right now is I would uh, invest in the BetaShares A200, which is basically the Australian uh, index, the top 200 companies on the ASX. The reason I like this as an investment option is it offers the dividend reinvestment plan, which is I think is essential if you're going to be investing for kids, because any investment that you choose, like you can you can choose whatever you want, but it for me it it needs to be no hassle. I need to not not have to think about it, not have to um do anything or like do the Least amount possible, especially if you're not like really into this stuff, but you recognize the importance of setting your kids up, you know, financially in the future. So it has the dividend reinvestment plan option, which basically means when the um, ETF pays a dividend, so the A two hundred pays four dividends a year, pays it quarterly. Instead of those dividends coming into an account, it they will purchase more units of the fund using your dividends now it doesn't mean you get out you get out of paying tax on those dividends it just means that you don't have to worry about reinvesting those dividends it does it automatically so it's a really good set and forget option and i envision buying the a200 switching on the dividend dividend reinvestment plan and coming back 18 to 20 years and marveling at the glory of the compounding uh the magic of compounding and um realizing your child's birthday money throughout the years has turned into a nice a uh, decent car deposit or a decent house deposit depending on how generous uh, nana was with her birthday money um the simplicity of the the A200 ETF with the dividend re- dividend reinvestment uh plan makes it an easy choice for me but if you're into more diversification uh, look into Vanguard's VGS. With That also offer, offers the dividend reinvestment plan on it, but it's um, it's a bit more global. So it gives that exposure and that diversification uh, on a global level. I personally feel comfortable with the A200, um, but if you want more diversification, look at VGS. So that's the first part of this equation is what you want to invest in. I suggest... Um, well, if it was me, I would, I would invest in the share market just because it's going to be no hassle. The, the only thing you really got to do is lodge a tax return. That's it. So every year you have to lodge a tax return because those, um, dividends are, you know, being pumped out. So, um, lodge a tax return. But other than that, you, you don't have to manage anything. You don't have to, um, you know, do a whole bunch. It's, it's very, very hands off, which is what you want. Um, now, as I was getting going into it, the other part of this equation is whose name is this investment going to be held in? This is uh I think I think the if you've already got a like family trust set up, if you've already got a trust vehicle set up for your investments, I would invest in the trust, but I would keep a spreadsheet of How many units you buy and when you buy and what you're buying every time you buy for the child or the the children, whatever. So I wouldn't separate it like you got, you're going to have to have a, um, you're going to have to be set up with a broker, right? To buy shares. That's just, you, you have to be set up with a broker. Now you can actually, I believe it's technically possible to set a child up with a broker, but the amount of, um, effort required with getting tax file numbers and getting identification um, and just all that mumbo jumbo uh, all that mumbo jumbo i don't think it's worth it going down that path personally i think what you're better off doing is just writing down on a spreadsheet when you're like putting their birthday money into your brokerage account and you're purchasing shares on their behalf just write it down on a spreadsheet google sheets whatever and just note note it down, what you're investing in, how many units you're buying, and on what day you're buying. Because what you can do is when it comes to give the child um, as a present, either as a lump sum or you want to, um, you know, just transfer the holdings across or whatever, that will trigger a, a capital gains tax um, event as well. But um you can work it out through reporting software such as ShareSite. So you can go into ShareSite and you can create a dummy portfolio and you can basically enter in all the trades that you made just for the kid. So even if you have a brokerage account and you're trading for yourself and for your kid, as long as you note down um, the days that you bought for the child and the, what unit and what you bought, it will be really easy to work out how much that investment only for the child has made. So it might be a bit, you know, uh, a few investments into one brokerage account, but it's very easy to work out. Now, if you're investing in the family trust, that's really easy because you don't have to trigger a capital gains, a capital um you know, tax gains event if it's in the trust. Because if it's in the trust, the the beneficiary can be the child and there's there it doesn't have to like that's just um taken care of. It. The, if the child wants to receive Um, the money from the dividends from their portion you can just um, distribute to that beneficiary depending on how your family trust is set up but that will most likely be an option if it's your child Um, and if they do want it as a lump sum that's no issue either you can sell it and you can just um, divert the capital gains to that beneficiary and away you go. Now if you don't have a trust set up because a trust can be confusing and it costs money and I get it that it's not for everyone If you don't have a trust trust set up, I wouldn't go down the path of trying to set it up in the kid's name. I would just set it up in my own name. It's going to be a lot easier. It's going to be less hassle and I would just keep a journal of what you're buying for the kid. That's all I would do. Um, Keep the journal, work it out later when you're you're ready to give uh, this big surprise at the right time for the child. And um, yeah, there's so many online tools now that you can easily work out what the return was um, share sites a great one and you can you could create that dummy portfolio so that's what I would do and I hope that's answered your question thank you on to the next one this is from Joe I'm 47 and I've been saving away since before fire was even a term my savings rate is about 50% losing 13% to interest on investment properties which is slowly coming down. Realistically, I'm about five years away from making the big change. My issue is I'm 99.5% in property and I want to diversify, but I'm not sure how to do it and I'm not sure how to allocate my splits. I'm torn between property, high interest accounts, stocks, ETFs and leaks, and even bonds. I don't want to sell off property, just work towards a better balance over the next five plus years. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much for that question, Joe. First thing that pops out is that awesome savings rate of 50%. Well done on that. I'm a bit, I don't know if I 100% understand what you're saying here. Losing 13% to interest on the investment properties. So I'm guessing that they're negatively geared if you're losing money, losing 13% interest. Um, I'd be interested to know how much you're dipping into your pockets each year. You know, when you buy an asset, it really shouldn't be taking money from your wallet. It should be putting cash into it. So, um, I I've written an article about it before. How I'm not a huge fan of negative gearing, even though my properties are negative geared. They're only negative geared when you factor in the, dep- the depreciation. So they're actually cash flow positive, um, which means I'm not having to dip into my pocket. So um, I like a bit more clarification on that part. But you. You're never going to reach financial independence if you're holding an asset that's costing you money, which I don't even know if I'd classify that as an as- asset. If something's costing you money, it's it's really a liability, right? Anyway, um, I'm definitely feeling you on the diversification side of things. So I'm someone who currently has three invest- investment properties myself, and it's definitely important to spread your risk across multiple asset classes and sectors. Uh, if I was in your position, first thing I'd do is I'd look at the cash flow from the properties in your portfolio and how much the, uh, what what you're going to get for your properties at the moment. So I'd look at if your properties are costing you money to hold, I would be looking to see how much I could get um, to sell. Are you going to make, have they gone up in value, but the rent hasn't quite caught up um, in regards to the capital gains? And if that's the case, it might be a good time to cash in. Cash in lock in the profit and put your capital into an asset that is a lot more um, cash flow uh, stronger, like income um, positive. So it all depends on your goals. um, But if you're planning to build an income stream for yourself, negative gearing gearing properties is not going to be the answer. You don't have to sell either. So I'm just saying like this is what I would do if I'm looking at your situation and, and it was me. Um, So, you don't have to sell. There's nothing stopping you from dipping your toes into buying some ETFs or some listed investment companies um, just to get the feel for the stock market. Who knows? You might be um, a bit wary, which is always a good thing, but um, maybe have a go uh, investing in something in the share market and when you receive your first dividend, you might be pleasantly surprised with how high yielding it can be and how little effort is required to get that um, dividend, which may prompt you to change your strategy a bit. I don't know, um, but they're the things I would look at. I will look at the cash flow in the property, how much the properties are currently worth at the current market, um, and what your goal is. Are you, are you planning to build that income stream? Are you do you have a five year plan to be in five years? I want to be earning fifty thousand dollars through passive income. Um, you know, set a few goals and chip away at them. Um, Try your hand in the share market if you feel inclined to do so. And I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Joe. And the last question for today, and I did run out of a little bit of time tonight, guys. There's a whole, I know there's a whole bunch more questions. So if you've submitted a question, um, my answer to that is coming. But um, just for tonight, I, um, yeah, I can only get through three questions. So apologies for that. Uh, this question comes from Stephen, great podcast and website, loving the content. In your Our Investment Strategy explain post, you mentioned the Peter Thornhill approach to investing and said this is something you might look into. This strategy of investing for dividends makes a lot of sense to me also, but goes against the traditional diversification. I like the idea of reinvesting the dividends until fire and then simply living off them. No need to sell off capital growth. Just wondering if you will actually consider switching to this this approach. If you don't think you will go this way, is it only because you have set up the way you have already? If you are starting out again today, would you consider it? Cheers, Stephen. Thanks for the question, Stephen. Um, this, hmm the answer to this, I flip-flop a bit between this. I think I've definitely modified my strategy to be more focused on dividends, that Definitely clicked with me the the focus on the dividends part. I currently hold um, almost a hundred thousand dollars in international securities, being VTS and VEU, um, and then you have got to factor in my super as well. So I'm I have a lot of uh, investments in international um, equities, but I think moving forward, I'll try to aim for ten percent international with the other. 90% being Australian to maximize the strong yield plus franking credits. I'm actually in the middle of writing a post about ETFs and listed investment companies which will go into um into detail about how I'm going to be investing with that strategy and like the investing splits and all that. The only issue that I keep coming back to like yourself is the div- the diversification part. I'm on the fence on this and I flip-flop uh, back and forth because on one side, I really, I get the investing for dividends approach. Like I understand it; it makes sense to me, and that's where I'm heading. But on the other side, there's just too much academically acclaimed studies that continuously stress the importance of global diversification. Like there's people that have won Nobel prizes over. Um, their, their um their studies and their research into into that area so and a whole bunch of really successful investors as well continuously say you know diversify outside your um country it's it's really important so i'm like hmm, which which one do i go the global diversification but sacrifice the dividend income or do i stick with um 90 australia australian um, shares and really go for that uh, high yield plus ranking credits and right now currently as I'm speaking I think I'm just going it's just going to be a risk I'm willing to take at this point to <clears throat> achieve my desired income stream that I'm after so I know that my portfolio moving forward is not going to be the most diversified but that's a risk that I've identified and I can live with and I understand what I'm going to do if Australia went through a recession and the rest of the world didn't, which is probably the worst-case scenario. Um, So I understand my risks and I'm very confident in my strategy. So whichever way you go down, just do a whole bunch of research and just be confident in um, your strategy and have a plan for when things go wrong because we're definitely due, I think the whole world is due for a recession, I don't know when it's coming. All I know is that another one will come, that's for sure. Now to answer the part about the um will I actually uh you know switch well I'm already going the uh, focus on dividend approach, but um, you know, I liked part of your question was will I switch to this strategy because I'm already set in my way, sort of thing. And I think that's um a big issue with some investors that if, if a superior strategy is presented to them, um, some people get like offended or like they're too proud to, you know, switch their strategies because they've been doing this for years and they might feel a bit dumb or something. But I'm definitely not like that. I'm, w- whenever I see a strategy and I think it's better than what I'm currently doing, I 100% change my strategy and go for it. Like this is coming from someone that was going to go 100% property. I wanted 10 properties um, I want to live off five fully paid off properties but then I found about index investing and I thought that was way better. So I switched to index investing and then I found out about um, investing for dividends um, and the whole listed investment companies versus ETF stuff and I'm incorporating um, that into my strategy moving forward. So never be too proud to uh, judge your own strategy and to tweak it where it makes sense and where you feel um, it's necessary. So. Definitely, um, you know, keep your mind open to new ideas, people. And that is going to be the last question for this Friday. I hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Quick one today, I know, Um, but I will be back next Friday. Have a good one.